the Northern Lights have seen queer sights. <clears throat> We've all heard that, and of course, Alaska and Alaskans have seen many queer sights from Yetis, UFOs, there's a scarlet tanager scene in Barrow. But there's not many people that would believe the fish and game biologists who recorded in their log the, uh, a healthy population of Homeris americanus living in a small estuary outside of Turnigan Arm. Oh, I should mention uh, Homeris americanus, the main lobster. <laughs> but I believe it because I was there. And this is the story. It was summer of 1976. I had come to Alaska that March uh, by accident. It was a uh, spring break, my senior year of college. I had one quarter to go. I was at a party, and a, a guy said, hey, I'm driving up to Alaska tomorrow. I'm delivering my boss's truck. I need some help. You want to go? So I said, well, of course I do. It seems like a perfect adventure before my graduating in forestry and joining the ranks of Weyerhaeuser, the tree-growing company. <laughs> so uh, I went. It was a great trip. Uh, we got to the boss's house on the Kenai Peninsula, and where um, this guy quit his job, which is another story in itself. And we took off on foot with our backpacks and musical instruments, hitchhiking to the end of the Homer Spit, where we were living under Visqueen and Driftwood <laughs> shacks with the uh, women who worked at the uh, shrimp processing plant, which was there at that time. It was an idyllic existence for a few <laughs> days. Um, and I had in my wallet two $100 bills, because I knew I wouldn't spend them. And that's what it cost at that time to fly from Anchorage back to Seattle, where I would complete my degree. Uh, like I say, it was an idyllic existence there. Um, and we spent a lot of time, it was very wet, we spent a lot of time at the Salty Dog Saloon. <laughs> uh, the afternoon before I was going to hitchhike back to Anchorage, we were playing pool. And for some mysterious reason, as many of us know it happened, sometimes you just can't miss. We were hot. We were beating all the fishermen. It was a wonderful thing. And suddenly it became my turn to buy the next pitcher. I went up to the bar and realized I had no money in my pocket except $200. And I pulled that $100 bill out and said, I'd like another pitcher. And I realized at that moment that my life had changed. <laughs> I was not going back to the University of Washington. I was not going to be a forester. And my parents were going to kill me if they could ever figure out where the hell I was. Here I was stuck in Alaska. The $200, once broken, evaporated rapidly. And I thought, I need a job. So I started hitchhiking back to Anchorage. Homer was not a lot of opportunity at that time. On the way back to Anchorage, uh, I got let off at the Indian House restaurant in Indian, Alaska, kind of between Anchorage and Bird Creek. And there was a sign on the door, uh, Cook Wanted. I said, thank God, they need help. And I walked in. There was a man, 6'6", 350 pounds, bald as a cue ball. The owner, Ken Forrest, and he said, uh, can you cook? I said, of course I can. Of course, I lied. <laughs> he said, well, great. We'll start tomorrow. Now, all my rooms uh, in my lodge, are, uh, they are under renovation. They aren't ready yet, but, uh, so you'll have to sleep in my room tonight. And uh, the flag should have gone off, but I ignored all warning flags in those days. <laughs> uh, that night, I know many sourdoughs have their stories of being attacked by giant uh, Alaskan bears and so on, but very few chachacos of two weeks in Alaska have stories of being attacked by 350-pound Alaskan bear lodge owners. <laughs> I do. I won't go into details, but uh, I'd read the brochures. I, I didn't run. 
and uh, you know, I made myself look big, and it, it worked out. And, the, and by the next afternoon, it was obvious, uh, two things were obvious. I was not gay, and I couldn't cook. So we went from there. The Indian House restaurant had two specialties. Um, they had uh, the king salmon barbecue for the tour buses, and they had the live lobster tank. Now, the live lobster tank was kind of an awesome thing back, you know, in the mid-'70s. It was kind of very chic. Why would you wouldn't sell Alaskan seafood? I don't know. But he had flied in from Maine, and we had the live lobsters. And, you know, the pipeline money, guys would bring their girlfriends they think are going to go have a hamburger and they'd like a live lobster. is a very cool thing. Um, in fact, in, in the Atco trailers behind the Indian house, uh, there were a large stack of penthouse magazines. And one of them in the penthouse forum, I know none of you have seen these, so I'll have to explain it. Uh, <laughs> people describe these sexual experiences, which you could almost think were maybe made up. And one of them involved the, the young couple in Maine who uh, got into their bathtub before their lovemaking and they brought in their live lobster dinner. And the lobsters were spending a lot of time fondling parts I wouldn't get a lobster close to. <laughs> but it was a pretty awesome letter. And so we cut this letter out and taped it to the lobster tank, then put a little sign saying, lobsters available for rent. <laughs> and that got a lot of attention. The other thing, the other thing the uh, Indian house had was uh, the uh, king salmon barbecue. The tour bus would come up, they had an eight-foot barbecue, and I'd be cooking all these king salmon out there. Well, the only mystery, and people would say, this is the best king salmon I've ever had. Well, the secret was that the king salmon were actually humpies that were spawning that would pull out of Indian Creek, you know, 50 feet away from the lodge. And to make them taste edible, we would cover them with Ken's secret sauce, which was Kraft Catalina dressing. <laughs> and so we'd cover the grill with these humpies and smother them with Catalina, and everybody would say, oh my God, that was so good. Well, here it was, Sunday, the tour bus is coming, we've got to go to the creek and get the humpies. We head out to the creek, and oh, shoot. <laughs> There's fish and game is there. How are we going to fill these totes with, you know, 100 humpies? for the tour bus with fish and game there. And we had an idea. Let's go back to the lodge, get some lobsters, put them in the creek, and you know we'll distract these guys. We'll pull the humpies and get out of there. So back to the lodge we went. We grabbed three or four lobsters, head back to the creek. And as they're working their way, doing their survey, and showing us, oh, look at these little microinvertebrates. We say, oh, those are really cool. We head up to the next pool in the little riffle. As they come up, we say, hey, we've been pulling these things out of the creek. We don't know if they're edible or not, but uh, what are they? And we pull out these lobsters that are clacking away like this. They're going, oh, my God. They were so amazed. They were, like, hanging that pool. They were going crazy. We head back down the stream and fill up our totes with humpies for the best king salmon barbecue in Alaska. And everybody was happy. We had a, the barbecue. They were writing their doctoral theses as they, uh, as they stood there, and uh, all was good. And I, I like to think uh, today that, you know, someday some Republican governor is going to want to dam Indian Creek for power, and they go back looking through the logs and go, we can't dam this creek. There's this amazing species here. <laughs> and it's all saved. Yeah, thank you.